0: Everybody have one of these uh, little half sheet things. It's just a help. Uh, I've I've got elements of my message over there uh, points because um, you know I don't. We're not really any stronger in in the Lord than our prayer life is. Would you agree with that? I I agree with that. <laughs> um, and I could I could see my own life. It wouldn't been a Christian for a long, long time since I was fourteen. that was a long time ago, and I've had my my high points and my not so high points, and I could track track my prayer life uh is pretty much consistent with that um and you know it, sometimes we just get discouraged, we get bogged down, stuff just happens and and you can enter a time and we know this and you maybe maybe you do as well. Some kind of crisis comes into your life, and it's like you can't even pray. It's not that you don't believe God, but the weight of what's on you, you just don't have any words. And um, I, I, you know, this is not in my notes, but Romans 8.26 says, We don't even know how to pray, right? But the Holy Spirit God intervenes, uh, or the Holy Spirit intervenes with us, or intercede, intercedes for us with groans uh, that cannot be understood. That, that our prayer, when you, you can't even feel like you pray, you just sit there and say, God, help me. And the Holy Spirit comes and fills in all the gaps. Because he's a good, good father, amen? And he loves you, so. Okay, let's look at this. Um what a what a better way, more appropriate way, to really start our our um, this new year. Um, Happy New Year, by the way. Um, really understanding what it means to pray. I talked about that last Sunday some um, as well. I want to just get into a little bit more. In fact, this is something I shared several years ago, but it's a teaching about about prayer. And as we begin this, really want to emphasize something that these. Um, Authors of this one book um, called The Spirit Helps, Helps Us Pray, Robert Brandt and Zenas Bickett, they made this point. They said it is far more important to learn to pray than to learn about prayer, right? Um, learning about prayer will be of consequence only if if that learning equips us to pray better. So uh, in Luke eleven we we're kind of being there. Uh, you can have your Bible open there. Um, and that chapter 11 we'll be talking about, uh, as well as Matthew 6, uh, this Sunday and, and next Sunday as well. But um, you notice in, in Luke 11, chapter 1, uh, chapter 1, verse uh my mind is in so many places right now. Uh, in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, the disciples uh, didn't ask Jesus about prayer, they asked him how to pray. Um, and so, this is what I would hope all of us uh, could understand and enter into this place of prayer, like I talked to last week, that, that prayer becomes something that you anticipate. You, you can't wait to have a moment to get away with, with God. How would you like to have that kind of thing? Instead of that pressure like, well, if you're a good Christian, you're going to be praying. You, you better show up at that prayer meeting if you really love God. How many know that doesn't motivate you to do anything, right? And I'm not into that we don 't want to be be going down that road there's no no benefit, and likewise, you want to use the the term prayer" as like an umbrella term um for really for how we communicate with God. basically, prayer is communication that requires a conversation right like I said last week, if you ever sat down with somebody and when they do all the talking, is that any fun? is that you know do you have any i don 't know about you I have some relatives in my life or people that i've known. You sit down, you just, you might as well, you know, play a, you know, game on your phone. Because you're not going to have any, you know, say, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. That's about all you can say, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, as they just talk and talk. Prayer is never intended to be this thing where you just sit there and God just has to listen to everything you have to say. There's something more that's going on uh, in the kind of prayer that, that the Bible talks about. Uh, one of the common words translated uh, prayer is in Hebrew is, is sha'al. the Greek word is uh, prosukomai, and I'm sure you're going to want to remember that. Um, but that just refers to the basic prayer. I mean, there's not necessarily uh, some you know urgency or passion, but you're just coming to God and you know, God, I, I, can you show me this? Uh, lead me this, God. Where, where should I go? Uh, and that kind of stuff. Um, but There's other kinds of of prayer as well, like confession and repentance, Uh, and that can be as an individual, as a community, and as a nation. Uh, Some of of us were here New Year's Eve night. We watched one of the transformation videos uh, called about the revival in the Fiji Islands that happened as a result, really, of the coup that happened in the year 2000. And it was powerful, but the idea, the, the the role of repentance, not just for the individual, repenting, meaning, you know, what does it mean? Turn around, right? Uh, it's it means to root that to change your mind. Uh, you were thinking this way and going that way, and you now you've you're, you've repented from that. You've left that, and you have decided to uh, go this way. It's a whole lot different from being sorry. You, you know, so many times we're sorry because we got caught, right? But repentance is that. But this confession, repentance, it's, uh, and the power of that—really, uh, in some ways, you could say the first prayer that God really hears uh, from us is that of repentance, where we we come to God and say, "God, forgive me." And and, he, uh, and I think there's more to it that He hears you, even those who aren't totally His at this point, because He just He cares about us, right? But repentance is is very important. You hear the the, the term supplication uh it's a uh really it it's it's this strong pleading uh kind of prayer uh, if it's begging for mercy if it's if it's like you are at the end of your rope the time's about out and you need an answer now and you're you're coming before god in in supplication uh like like jacob was coming back from being away from his family for about 20 years remember his he if you're familiar with the account in Genesis where he had stolen his brother's, uh, um, the father's blessing. And uh, to escape with his life, his mom said, get up and go north up to your uncle Laban. He's up there for, tw- for 20 years, whole marriage and 12 children and all that stuff. It comes back. Uh, and now he's about to meet his brother who the last thing he, his brother wanted to do was kill him because he had not only stolen his the father's blessing which was very significant but also even um tricked him out of the uh the birthright thing. And so Jacob knew that that he needed an answer. He needed he he was going to live or die in the next 24 hours. So how many know if if you are facing that kind of thing that you're going to probably have some rather fervent praying, right? And that's what he did and he in fact he wrestled that night with some kind of angel or something and and finally it all night and now that it's starting to dawn it's starting to b- break and the and the angel which i believe the angel of the lord maybe even a manifestation of jesus uh, but regardless he said let me go the sun is coming up and he says i'm not letting you go until you bless me in fact i think he said that after the angel touched his hip and put it out of socket and then i'm not letting go Of you until you bless me. There's something about that kind of tenacity that uh, that that um, is important. Hannah would be another example. Samuel's mother had been barren, and 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 the her husband's other wife, because they had that then, uh, was ridiculing her, and she was she wanted a son, and she was there weeping at the temple um, one year, just saying, "God, just give me a son. I'll give him back to you." And he did, in that. So, uh, when you see about petitions, petitions are specifically the the, the request that we that we have before God is the specific ones. Intercession, intercession is where um, it's where one or more people standing in the gap and praying on the behalf of somebody else. How many know that? Sometimes, I don't know. We've had some intercession for us, and and. Sometimes that we need that for for one another, and and God, God works in those kind of ways. Um, where we make an appeal to God on behalf of other people. There's also praying in the spirit, praying in tongues, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Other aspects would be like adoration and worship, uh, praise and thanksgiving, and communion, which really is a, a speaks about the conversation, listening and meditating. That you come into the presence of God and just sit there and be quiet for a while, because remember, it's not it's a conversation. Not that you're necessarily going to hear a voice necessarily, um, but this idea uh, of abiding. I'm going to we'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, in fact, really. The Bible is like filled with examples um, of of prayers speaking of of Beth. Excuse uh, me, not here's Beth over here. I've seen Beth. Um, the first generation, uh, really, that began to seek the Lord was Seth. Not the Seth we we love and appreciate over here, but the third child of Adam and Eve, and during his, his as he began to grow, it says, in his day, men began to seek after the Lord. Um, it's interesting that, that there's noted then, uh, after all that had probably happened, who knows how many, how long that had gone on, but. But there's probably about 20 length, almost 50, excuse me, lengthy prayers in the Bible. And there's several hundred uh, variations or or allusions to prayer, uh, shorter prayers, allusions that that are, are there in the Bible. And notice that the biblical writers, they focused on individual acts of prayer, not a whole bunch of lists of how to pray. Just doing it. And so much of it was relational and conversational in fact, uh, like uh, as, as one one guy said that that in prayer, God's people submit uh, to the to God's grace. That's really what it is. We even to think we could pray is to believe that there is a God who has enough grace and mercy that he's going to actually hear me. Amen? And uh, and so we do. We think about the psalmists in prayer. What they did, they they would confess their sin, I think. Actually, the psalms are, are wonderful ways. If you don't know what to pray, just get in the psalm pretty quick, quickly. You're going to find one that is praying, saying the things that are in your heart. And you just pray that psalm and then adjust it as you need to. But these kind of things. David, you notice that David, he asked for forgiveness, but he didn't just ask for forgiveness. What else did he ask for? restoration, because it was about relationship, right? Relational and conversational type of, of thing. You uh, think about the seraphs, uh, those are like angelic beings around the throne of God, and what do they do all the time? They cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Um, he must be pretty awesome if you never get tired of that, and I can be sure he's far more uh, wonderful than we could even imagine. Um, but then Isaiah, in chapter 6 of Isaiah, he goes in there, what does he say? Woe is me. As he sees the holiness of God and the glory of God and the throne room and the angels around him, he, all he could think about and realize is what a sin sinful man he is and understand Isaiah he was a priest he was a godly man from a godly line he wasn't like some reprobate guy who who didn't pulled out of the gutter and, and could, was barely make it he was a godly man and yet when he came in the presence of God in the real presence of God his the reality of of, of his sin, sin nature was overwhelmed him and he despaired of of his very life um, but really, uh, we think about um, Asaph. Many of the Psalms written by, by Asaph or the sons of Asaph. Um, and um, that their primary petition is, is not for deliverance from the enemies, provision for needs, but a knowledge of God. And this, this one passage in Psalm 50, uh, 73 out of verse 25 says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire more than you. They're not asking for anything except I want you, God. If this is where we, this is where prayer should take us, right? Um, and uh, and if you're familiar with Psalm seventy-three, that's the psalm where the first more than half of it, the, the psalmist is saying, you know, God, you know, you take care of most people, but me, I. You know, I feel like I'm abandoned. All the, the wicked people around me, the sinful, the, the abusive, the, they, they do horrible things. They say terrible things about you. They do stuff against innocent people. And nobody, they don't have, have to pay for that at all. They, if, they say things that are horrible, the blasphemous to your name, uh, or cursing. If I said any of that stuff, man, you'd be on me in a, in a moment. I'm just kind of paraphrasing. And but he's he's like, the wicked prosper in their way, and I'm I'm trying to serve you, and I'm just poor little pastor in a little tiny church, a little tiny town, barely making it. My car doesn't even run at home. (laughs) And then he said, and then I then I remembered their destiny. I remember their destination, and that um, that in the end, uh, he says. those who walk with you, only those who walk with him are, uh, are receive eternal life. And, and uh, he came, came to his senses and, and says, in the end, there's nothing I desire more than you. Marvelous, marvelous thing. May that really be the desire of our hearts. So we get into Luke 11, verse 1, and so it says that one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray just as ta- John taught his disciples to pray. We could talk about those practices uh, that... Um, uh, about rabbis and their disciples, it was very common in in Jesus' day that the, the Jews would have, there would be a, a rabbi that would have disciples, and then he would instruct them. Also, the interesting thing about that, a side note, is that uh, in the Jewish culture, the followers, the disciples of a rabbi, they weren't trying to, their goal was not to learn Everything he learned, he he knew to to know what he knew. knew They wanted to do what he'd been doing. The the the, the difference we our culture it's all about knowledge. Their college their 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 culture is about becoming and doing, and that's that's incredible. That's why Peter told Jesus, "Walking on the water, if that's you, call me to walk to you on the water." Why? Because the the disciples of a rabbi, their their desire is to do what that rabbi is doing, and that's why he went out there. So that's a little extra, no charge on that. You can have an extra brownie after church today. Um, but you think about it, though, could it be, uh, th- what they're really saying is, "I teach us to pray like you're praying. I mean, Jesus, most of his prayer was in, in private, but there were other times where, where he wasn't far away, and where they prayed, and Jesus, teach us to pray the way you pray. Andrew Murray said this, he says, Jesus never taught his disciples how to preach, only how to pray, right? To know how to speak to God is more important than knowing how to speak to men. Hear this, not power with men, but power with God is the first thing, amen? That'd be our desire, we we want to please people and get favor with them. No, we need to have favor with God, amen? Somebody said amen, I think... All right, so anyway, so, so Luke's two books in the, in the New Testament, right? The Gospel of Luke and the, and the Book of Acts underscores the, really the importance of prayer on waiting on the Lord. Um, throughout Jesus' ministry, Luke 5.16, Luke makes the note that often Jesus went off to lonely places and prayed. Uh, in Matthew 6, Jesus modeled prayer when he t- told them this. Matthew 6, 6, and when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And this, for those who like Greek words, I I look up Greek words just like you would look up Greek words. Um, I had two years of Greek in college, and I could... The best I can do is I could read a Greek word. I can't tell you what it what it is. I could tell you how to pronounce it. That's about it. But this one word uh, for secret is, is crypto. Almost sounds like uh, kryptonite, doesn't it? But um, this word speak calls to attention the omnipresence of God. The the, the God who is always present with us in all ways, and, um, and that though he is concealed from the human eye, yet he is indeed present in the secret place, that secret place, that, that sometimes called the inner chamber, that place of intimacy, the privacy, um, that place of, of restoration, right? I don't know about you, that but... You just think about that moment. Life has just been going crazy. Work's been going crazy. Whatever it might be. And you just long to have that moment to just sit down and whatever your comfort food, comfort food is, you know, as coffee or tea or you know, something, but, but you just just find that place of restoration, that resting and restoring this, this, this thing. The, the point is, is that really that this whole thing about if we want to draw near to the unseen God we have to become unseen as well to others. In fact, Jesus' example shows that really that that unseen prayer, our time of unseen prayer, meaning not seen by other people, should dwarf our pub- public prayer. I had a gentleman in our church years ago. He was at every prayer meeting and everything. And And one day he said something that just caught me off guard. I said, we were just praying. Yeah, he said, I really enjoy these times. It's about the only time I get to pray. That's not a healthy thing, right? and um, uh, because you know, God wants to meet you, and as I said last week, God wants to speak to everyone in this room. He does, He does all kinds of ways, quiet ways. just reading the Word of God a scripture speaks will jump out at you. Um, uh, just a, you know, a thought you might see something that reminds you of something, and God reminds you of some a promise He made to you, or um, you know, whatever these kind of things. We give God a chance to speak by getting unseen and getting quiet and stop talking, and probably leave your cell phone somewhere else if you got a smartphone that makes us dumb. Um, and that's a, that's a, I'm talking to myself too. So, but in the book of Acts, we also talked about this last, last week as well, how the church um, modeled corporate prayer, how they devoted themselves to prayer in Acts 1.14 and 2.42 and other places. But they devoted themselves to prayer. In Colossians 4.2, the same thing that the Apostle Paul is saying, uh, calling them to devote yourself to prayer. And they're prosk, pros, Yeah, it's right there. Um, if you write it down, remember it, and then you could impress your friends because you could see that word but what what that word really means it means to adhere to uh, one of the ideas that you 're devoting yourself to it you are, are like you 're gluing yourself to prayer um, Just think of your favorite super glue. I like gorilla glue i think that 's even better um, but it 's something that 's always with you obviously you can 't be you know, in some room quiet and be praying all day, you do have responsibilities. <laughs> um, alright. Uh, but this idea that, that, that you're going through your life and hear that prayer is with you throughout your day. Like in Acts uh, 2.42, they devoted themselves as a church to, um, uh, the, to the apostles teaching, fellowship, breaking bread and prayer. This, they, honestly, if, you find a body of believers who will glue themselves to those four things, only God knows what He can do through that group. Amen? If we could just devote ourselves to the place where, where they love God, love the word of God, stand on the truth, and let's devote ourselves to these things, and God would and, and prayer being so central, say, God would you just move and do your work? Who knows what He could do? Amen? The early church glued themselves to these four things, and they literally shook their world. You just go farther uh, uh, into um, Acts. I think it was Acts 19, where the whole riot is coming, and, and because now uh, the economy is being affected by the move of God coming through Ephesus, and they and and the in the um, the, com- the the complainers, the businessmen, they they go to the uh, whoever the I forget what his title, the proconsul or whatever his name is, there, whatever his title. But says the the very people who have chained or have turned the world upside down have now come here. May that be this be the 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 accusation against the American Church? May that be you know those people? Why? Because they had devoted themselves. So they glued themselves these things and prayer was an, an integral part of that also secondly it means to, to be steadfastly attentive to where very much like in Acts chapter 6 the apostles and the prophets whether well, the apostles were ministering the word and prayer and teaching and that kind of stuff well the church was growing and there were widows and they wanted to take care of the widows they didn't have welfare then they didn't have all these things The the church the the body was was that and which we need to go back that if there's any way possible. But, but it got to the place where um, the Grecian Jew, uh, widows were not getting their food in the timely manner like the Jewish. Would. Why? I don't know. It doesn't seem, but there was quite a complaint. And um, so the apostles, choose seven godly men, you know, fill the spirit and wisdom and have them do this so we could give attention, give our attention, be attentive to uh, the prayer and the ministry of the word um boy I, that would be a marvelous thing huh um and then uh thirdly, it could also mean to um continue all time in a place this this devoting yourself that um as in acts uh, chapter one um after Jesus had ascended that they they continue together devoting themselves uh they're in that one place um and so for a similar one uh similar idea is 1 Thessalonians 5.17 where he says to pray without ceasing or uninterruptedly uh, this idea. Ian Bounds uh, wrote this. He said, "Um, The men who most fully illustrated Christ in their character and have most powerfully affected the world for him have been men who spent so much time with God as to make it a notable feature of their lives. And I'm going to tell you again, they spent time in prayer because they found it was a place of rest, a place of fellowship. It was a place they wanted to go. Not because they had to make sure they keep somebody happy or that they somehow, you know, um, some kind of other pressure or guilt trip. Is They found this joy of being in, with God in prayer and it changed their lives. Very much like in Acts 4.13 when the Peter and John were were called in front of the, um, actually they were arrested the day before because they had healed a blind man, I mean a lame man there outside the temple and, and started preaching Jesus was resurrected and they didn't like that, they arrested him. And they the, the way that, that Peter and John stood up to these uh, the Sanhedrin with boldness, they said they realized that Peter and John were just un, unschooled ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I believe that the more time you and I get into that secret place and spend time with Jesus, the more that we devote ourselves, glue that idea of prayer to us as we go out from that place and go and and conduct our life, you know, have those moments in the car, like I said, turn off the radio and just let it be a time of just thanking God or worship, whatever it might be. And these kind of things that only God knows what kind of change can happen uh in us and around us um to impact us also there's the the dynamic of of praying in tongues and praying in the spirit um as those scriptures and others i could do i won't get into a real deep thing but um first corinthians 14 verse 2 says anyone who speaks in tongues is speaks to god it's the first thing he says Um, you're not speaking to men you're speaking to god Um, and you're uttering mysteries by your spirit um, there's uh, just like we were are praying, speaking to God in our native language. There's when you, when uh, you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and the gift of tongues, that becomes a a significant uh, additional uh, element of of your prayer life. And not only are you speaking to God like like in your native language, but you're speaking mysteries, things you cannot understand. Verse four: Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Um, I was just thinking I um, the idea of edification is like when I, I built a, a woodshed next to my house. And, you know, whenever you kind of build some kind of structure, you, you get the posts up, right? And then you get some braces to kind of hold it, hold them in place. And you start putting the cross pieces. Randy's been building two houses, so, you, you know, really into that, you know. And then you start to get things together. And then you get enough there. You can take the braces off, but... There better not be a big wind, right? Better not blow and you start getting more cross pieces and the the rafters on, you know, and 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 then and um the siding and, and and when you're done that thing it gets stronger and stronger. You are edifying that structure the more support you add to it. And that's just what's happening. In prayer and fellowship and worship in all kinds of prayer, but including praying in, in tongues, um, according to the Apostle Paul says, it edifies us. Verse 14 in 1 Corinthians 14, it says, For if I, I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is, uh, is unfruitful. There's just something that happens inside of us, an edification that happens within us that we cannot really, um, Understand, but you definitely know what's happening. Countless examples of people who've uh, just commit. I'm just going to make sure I'm praying the spirit uh, as well as everything else. And, and there's a strength that comes in that time. So Paul says, so what shall I do? I'll, I, I'm going to pray with my spirit and I will pray with my understanding. I will also sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with the understanding. That praying in tongues. Um, so there's all that scripture. I'm sorry. I jumped ahead there. Um, um, but it it strengthens us, and um, it builds and strengthens and encourages the believers. Ephesians 6.18. Um, this is part of the armor of God. He's just talked about different pieces of the armor, the the, the brush plate of righteousness, the helmet, and so forth. And the very next thing he says is then in the Spirit on all occasions. Um, in all of Paul's writings, he uses that Term praying in the spirit, and he is talking about praying in tongues. In this, this is not as some w- want it to mean. Well, I'm just praying the will of God. Well, are you, are you not praying praying the will of God? Other times, you know, you know, is it, you know, no. He is specifically talking about uh, this was a natural practice in the New Testament church. They didn't have a Pentecostal, non-Pentecostal church. They just had a, a church that, that believed in the baptism in of the Holy Spirit. They they practiced it. They prayed for people for that. And the gifts of the Spirit, including praying in tongues and speaking in tongues, was part of that. Um, and so, anyways, um, and so, and you notice he says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with, with how many kinds of prayers? <laughs> with all kinds of prayers. And with this in mind, keep alert and keep on praying for all the Lord's people, that, that, that prayer is, is so multifaceted. And um, praying in the Spirit is one of those elements, indispensable. Really, for the New Testament church, if a church is going to be strong, our individual prayer lives have to be strong. Amen? Yes. See, Pastor, you're right. 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 Good word. Good word. Yeah, yeah, um, and then likewise. And I, I'm encouraged because our usually our prayer room here gets is got a good good attendance on a Sunday morning. We, from nine to ten, there's prayer in there, uh, and we're, as we're wor- practicing for worship out here, and um, and other times as well. Just uh, let's just find that that marvelous place because God wants to do some great things. Amen there's a few uh examples really drive home a prayer um had a, a priority um these these examples here in the church um and like i said there's no question that the uh, the new testament church was impacted their world there's no question about that that's why they were so persecuted um and that's really the connection is unmistakable that a prayer filled church a prayer-filled people devoted to prayer and the Word and these things is an empowered church. Amen. And um, that's and honestly, I guess we have maybe maybe it's the fault of us pastors to some degree that that we uh, we talk about prayer make it sound like it's something you better do that if you're going to be a good Christian instead of. Helping all of us to find that place of the joy that is in prayer, the 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 pleasure that the rest, the restoration that is in prayer, and the fellowship with God that that comes. Um, and uh, um, so, I mean, I guess we shouldn't necessarily be surprised at the current state of the church in America. I mean, how much of the of the church? I mean, uh, the uh, uh, more classical uh, denominations that were birthed out of revivals uh, uh, are now we've got rainbow flags and trans flags and um, uh, are just wallowing in in all this things of the world and have no clue how far they have fallen away from God and actually quite frankly they are helping people, ushering them into the very pits of hell because of their delusion and their, what they've done. The greatest thing you could do for someone is tell them the truth. The greatest way you could love them is to share with them that God loves you just like you are, but He doesn't want you to stay that way. But He's going to help you do it, right? And no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter how messy your life has been, whether it's their fault, your fault, or just life... It doesn't matter. God comes to... to, to, uh, He loves you right where you're at, right? He loves us just as we are, amen? That He might then help us to to grow and to become the person He wants and, and that we might fulfill, as I've talked about, the destiny in our lives. And I believe there's a purpose for every one of us on an individual level, and 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 really the ultimate destiny for all of us is what? That God gets what? Glory out of our lives, right? And you get to be part of that. So, um, just quoting out of uh, um, this book by Brandt and, and Bicketts that I referenced earlier, this is the book, this is um the fuller quote I've got here is this, prayer is the most intimate expression of the christian life why then is it so neglected we live in an age that avoids intimacy and close relationships amen i mean the social media is a, is it's, uh, no one they, they talked about the depression the suicide rate the mental illness among the younger generation and they, they have drawn connection uh, the dots directly to This, um, those who are deeply into social media and always, they have, I mean, I, I've got like 1,100 friends on Facebook. (laughs) You know? So I should be a happy person, right? Um, and yet we are, the intimacies, what you're missing. Therefore, some Christians feel uncomfortable getting close to God. Um, um, and so prayerlessness is the result. And, um, they went on to say that we're too busy. That uh, we we live to perform rather than to be, right? We don't value being as much as we value doing in, in this culture, and so the truth is, prayerlessness it becomes godlessness. And so, and even regarding our Pentecostal experience, if you will, about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, it's more than just speaking in a, in tongues. it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit is about receiving power uh, to to do the the to live the life and and fulfill the calling God has for you, um, but that the purpose of that Pentecostal experience and the primary role of prayer uh, in maintaining that experience also results uh, in prayerlessness when we for, when we forget how important prayer is in 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 so much of our life. And um, Martin Luther said this one time. He said, um, "Oh, I didn't. I don't look at that." Um, he said. Uh, I he confessed one time I was short and superficial in prayer this morning in a in a devotional and, and Ian bounds and he said let it be remembered uh Oh I think I'm ahead of myself. Oh yes. Let it be remembered that the source of decline in religion and proof of decline in a Christian life is found just here in short and superficial praying. Such Praying betokens and secures strangeness with God. Listen, if if that's what draws us away from God, we know how to get back, don't we? Right? And it's it's not rocket science, it's not and it's not something thing we'll talk about and well let's talk about how, okay? So I I talked last week about I'm just gonna wrap this up. I talked last week um, about um Andrew Murray. And uh, the, the Dutch Reformed Church in South Africa, they had called a conference to to figure out the, this the low state of spiritual life that marked the church of of their day. That was in 1912, um, and, and it, in Stellen, Stellenbosch, South Africa, they they met April 11th through the 14th uh, to, to consider why was there such a low spiritual life and vitality in in the church. Uh, at the Dutch Reformed Church, and they t- they actually didn't know they 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 didn't know when they got together and they they were praying and and going through things and then it came out that there was prayerlessness, and the more they looked at it, they realized that the sin of prayerlessness uh, is, prayerlessness is more than just a Mistake, but it is actual sin. And he, they said, Nothing so reveals the defective spiritual life in minister and congregation as the lack of believing and unceasing prayer. And then Andrew Murray, uh, writing about his life's, um, how life demands, um, he was writing about how life's demand, demands, demands are like strive against prayer. He goes on and says, This, let's learn the great lesson that prayers. Must rule your whole life. What rules your life? Don't tell me right now. But just think. What, 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 what is the first thing that demands how your, your day is going to go? How your week's going to go? He's saying here that prayer should rule our whole life. That he goes, oh, oh, that the sacredness and power of prayer, if it takes possession of the heart and life, it keeps us constantly in fellowship with, with God so, so that as as you go through your day you know God is with you leading you speaking to you acting that our daily life is permeated and guided and shaped by our prayer life, we recognize we have that time with God in in the un, unseen place. But as we go around, just to continue awareness that God is with me because I'm His child. I don't have to feel it. I don't have to have angels singing over me and that kind of stuff. But I and so I can say, God, could you help me? I don't know how many times I've been working on a car or or something and I can't get that part off or I can't. How do I... And I say, God, you help me. And he does. Um, and... Uh, uh, but going on, he, he continues and says this. Prayer is indeed the very pulse of the spiritual life. It is the great means of bringing to the minister and people the blessing and power of heaven. Persevering and, and prayer and believing prayer means a strong and abundant life. How many say, Lord, teach me to pray that way? Right? That Brant and Beckett, that prayer is really the most intimate expression of, of the Christian life, as I already quoted, and Andrew Murray. Uh, that prayer is fellowship with the unseen, the most holy one, this is what God wants us to know, and this is the place that that I believe that that God wants us to come to that that prayer is something we look forward to. It becomes like i can 't wait to, to pray i can 't wait to find a chance to just tell God I love him today and or I trust him or lift up this these kind of things. Jesus expressed it in this way John fifteen and this is this is what uh, Andrew Murray's book, uh, The Prayer Life, resulting from this conference, um, really speaks from um, this passage. Jesus, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. No wonder when a prayer life is like vacant, no wonder there's powerlessness in our lives, Right? But he says, well, you abide in me. And this this is an important principle. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish will be done. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Notice what he said. The the Father is glorified, right? By bearing much fruit. How do we bear fruit? By abiding in him, right? And uh, so it makes the point. I mean, does it... It doesn't do any good just to be told you better pray, <laughs> right? As I said last week, um, um, he uh, Murray in his book, he says, I'm so entirely convinced that our efforts are futile unless we first learn how to abide in Christ by a simple faith. Learning, and if anything, that from this message and the handout I gave you, and and we're going to talk more specifically about the Lord's Prayer next week, but that we might learn what it means to, to abide in Christ. Uh, this whole concept of prayer will change when we understand what it means to abide in Christ. And, um, yeah, that uh, abiding in Christ is, um, it's, 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 it's a place where we communicate with God. It's, uh, it was Jesus' practice. Do you think he had, his list was so long, that's why he had to stay out all night and pray? He couldn't, no, it couldn't have been that. There was something more than just a, a laundry list of needs that he had before God. He, there was a place of abiding, and, I, and boy, that we if we could find that that place, and and uh, I and we can, we definitely can. Um, two key elements. Um, um, oh, jumped ahead on that one too. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, let's, let's let's do that. During the life of Jesus, um, this is what he said. He said um, that his his Jesus' words when he was on earth. His first words, really, to his disciples were what? Follow me, right? But right before he left, his words were, "Abide in me." There was the go and you know, the go into all the world. But as far as their responsibility for him, I want you to ab- abide in me, and um, and that's. And that's what um, he did. So the two these two key elements to prayer, right? Believing and unceasing prayer. Hebrews 11.6, uh, you see that. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes in must believe two things. That he exists and he rewards. And what does he reward? Those who earnestly or diligently seek him. They're believing and unceasing. If you're earnestly seeking God, you're not going to stop until you receive your answer, right? Or the answer God gives. But this idea that faith keeps faith keeps seeking until. And um, um and just think about that. Is this this is believing and unceasing prayer? Is that taught? Or some would say, is it caught or is it produced? And we could talk about the the passage in Luke eleven, starting in verse five, about where the um, there's the um, the friend that comes to his friend at night and in the middle of the night he knocks on the door. Hey, I need some bread. Some some I got some out of town company, and can you? I, I need some food that the you know uh, yokes is closed, and I just need. And 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 uh, he says, "Hey, I'm I'm already in bed." And but he comes out. You know, he just keeps knocking because of his. The word is because of his shameless audacity. His friend gets up and gets him the bread. The same thing with the with 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 the son coming to his father wants some bread. He's not going to give him a snake, right? Um, you know, so it's just, it's just how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him the common denominator in 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 all of this in both of these two examples is relationship. Right, this friends that had relationship, they knew each other, they cared, they, they, you know, they're, they're friends that the, the second one was the son to the father. They, they they the relationship enabled them to ask boldly and to keep asking. Because they knew that they could help them and, and they kept they kept going after them. So um the child had confidence and and, and so forth. This believing I believe that really believing and unceasing um, prayer uh it just uh is a product of relationship. Um it's produced uh and that relationship is produced by abiding in Christ, finding that place, knowing what that looks like. And so when we learn to imbi- abide in Christ, uh, our prayer life has this co- comprehensive impact. It, it becomes a primary element of us just doing whatever God's given us to do, right? It, it helps to ward off temptation and discouragement. Amen. We need that, right? Helps helps us to, to reach proper decisions. That's prayer. God speaks to us and directs us. Provides strength when the pressures and uh, that that cause us to be inclined to want to give up. Those are those times that where um, um, he he comes. And this is such a great passage. That those who wait on the Lord. This is the idea of abiding. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And let me just pause there. Understand, waiting on the Lord is not like waiting in the waiting room for your doctor, right? Where you're looking through that highlights magazine and, and trying to find the images that are hidden in that picture. Remember those? What that word means? It means it has the idea that you are continually trusting God. You are not changing direction out of fear. I I don't know what's going on. But I'm I'm calling on God. In the meantime, I'm going to keep trusting Him. I'm going to keep doing what I know I need to do. But I I'm, and I'm waiting. I'm expecting that He's going to answer me. When you wait on the Lord in that way, that's where your your strength is renewed, and you'll mount up with wings like eagles and run and not be worried. You shall walk and not faint. And just to wrap this up, um, the set for the second time, um, that prayer is more than a list, um, and and I I hope that little half sheet, if you didn't get one, um, can help just spur you on. The little things I have in there, like like these things here, like it's one of abiding uh, with Christ and the Father. It's about a place of honesty, intimacy, fellowship, humility, and worship. You can be flat, honest, completely transparent with God, and you should be. Amen? But it's, it's a place where you can rest, and like, you don't, you, and I say this many times, so, but some are new, maybe you haven't heard, heard it, but it's this: understand, the relationship is father. I'll talk about that more next week. But the, the Lord's prayer begins with our father, not our employer, not our king, not our master, but our father, right? It's relationship. That my children, one of them's here, um, and soon to be a, uh, an in-law is here, but my love for for my kids, our kids, has nothing to do with what they do. It's who they are. I created them, in a sense. Cindy and I created them, right? God created you. And his love for you, is it continues no matter what you do. That doesn't mean he's happy with you. And we could separate ourselves from the benefits of, of knowing God and even get ourselves into trouble. But his love for us never changes because of our behavior. And you've got to understand that this is not a merit-based kind of love for God. It's grace. He made you. He loves you. He made you for Him in the first place. Times of confession, likewise. Communion, like we talked about. Just kind of meditating on the Word and just, just... Thanking God and his being quiet, letting, letting him speak, anything you might want to encourage you about, uh, scripture come up to mind. But also be characterized by bold requests, confidence that the Father loves you and you will not stop. The, the, just come with boldness in those things and also that it should shape, direct our whole life. We schedule our life around prayer, our prayer time, and everything else is subject to that. Um. Uh, as God the Father goes with us wherever we are, that maybe, maybe we would say, Lord, would you teach us to pray? Amen? And teach us what it means to abide in you and what it means for your word to abide in us. These are, the I think, the, the foundational things. If we're going to grow in God, if we're going to be strong in the Lord, That those simple things, I think, are primary. Teach us to pray in this way of abiding with Christ and that his word abides in us and who knows what god can do and as i said it's so much more important to learn to pray than just learn about praying and i just pray that that this that we find a place um, a new place of prayer and abiding with christ and as i have on that sheet this i just love this this quote of of andrew murray he says each time before you intercede whenever you pray whatever be quiet first And worship God in his glory. Think of what he can do. And how he delights to hear the prayers of his redeemed people. Think of your place and privilege in Christ. And expect great things. Amen. Why don't we stand? I just... I don't want... This is the new year. People make resolutions all the time. And I'm going to do this and that. And those... those, That's good to do that. But... Don't don't commit yourself to things you've never done before at to an extent you've never ever you know. Just do the next thing. Just do one more, right? And um that that God wants to meet you right in that in that private secret place, the inner chamber, and that we might even right now, maybe just bow our heads or close our eyes and just, I don't know, just just look at your, in a mental picture of your life, of your day, how you order, order things. What, what might God want you to rearrange, if necessary, to learn how to get into that, the inner chamber, that, that get unseen from others, that he, you might abide with the one who is unseen, He might work in your life. Lord, we just ask you to just teach us to pray. I pray, teach us what it means to abide in you. And may that your word would abide in us. And where your heads are bowed, anybody... there anybody here that you just know, you just need to surrender your life to Jesus? You need to... um, Jesus, I want you to just be the Lord of my life, forgive my, uh, my sin, and be the Lord of my life. You know that that's what you need to do. I'd appreciate, just let me know that you want to just lift your hand so I could pray with you. We're just, this would be a great time of year to just say, Jesus, I just reaffirm my commitment to following you with all my heart. endeavor to practice this learning to abide in you. I got my hand up. You join me. Heavenly Father, we we come to you and I pray you'd help us, Lord, in some ways to unlearn the habits that have gotten in the way of our fellowship with you. You know, I pray you could help us, each one here, to know you in that secret place. To encounter you in those quiet moments. To hear your spirit speak to our hearts through your word. And God, that you would reveal your grace and your power and your, give, give us your wisdom and your insight, Lord. In this day. That we might be. Truly be a bright light. Of the world you've called us to be. And very effective salt. uh, In this world. For your glory God. For the salvation of our lost friends. And neighbors. And family. And for the strengthening of the body of Christ. In this area. That you will get glory. Out of our lives. And we thank you for that in Jesus name. And everybody said. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for hanging in there.